0: Log Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, Fantasy Football Mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide, and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip, The latest NFL news and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the fantasy football mastermind edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome
1: to the show, everybody. It is August 30th. This is the week before, the week before the season of the nfl in 2022 my name is michael nazarek i'm host of the fantasy football mastermind edge podcast fantasy football mastermind uh can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com and with me once again my very good friend and very experienced fantasy writer and player chris rito how you doing tonight chris
2: very well sir very well apologize for sounding a bit croaky i'm coming off a bit of a cold uh, also had my local draft on sunday uh, great time! It's my oldest league. It's been going for 35 years, and uh, unfortunately, I drafted Brian Robinson right around the time he was shot. So uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. But man, it was a it was an interesting, shortest-lived time anyone's ever been on my roster, probably.
1: <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Yes, I'm sure that's what Brian said when he got shot twice running away from those robbers. <laughs> we will definitely get to it. Uh, if I still sound a bit rushed, people, we got a lot to do to talk about in this very busy. Probably it's going to be pushing 45 minutes here. Uh, it's our annual Sleeper Creeper show, one of the most popular shows of the summer. Uh, we're also going to be talking draft strategies. And, of course, we've got to get to the latest news and notes, a lot of surprising cuts that happen in the NFL today, today's cutdown day. And, yet we're not starting football on Thursday because there's kind of a bye week, so there's going to be a lot of jockeying, maybe some trades and some players. The bottom end of a lot of these rosters are going to get, uh, you know, kind of uh, a churn. Some people are going to be cut and such. Anyway, let's get right to it. One guy that's not going anywhere that we thought that maybe the 49ers might trade him is Jimmy Garoppolo, their uh, quarterback uh, from last year, their starter. Well, uh, you know, he's been all obviously relegated to being a backup, uh, but he, they were thinking about trading him. They didn't want to trade him to uh, division rival Seattle. So they worked out a uh, restructured contract where he took less guaranteed money than what he was going to. Uh, but he, he likes to stay in uh, San Francisco. And uh, there's, there's questions about the uh, – the ability of Trey Lance really to take that team to the next level. So, Chris, what, in your opinion, is going on here with Garoppolo? Do you think he's going uh, to start sooner than later, or do you think he's going to back up Trey Lance? So what kind of a leash do you think that the 49ers have on him?
2: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because this is exactly what the 49ers needed, but it's also exactly what they didn't need. They needed to have a quality veteran backup for a young quarterback because they are a playoff-caliber team. But what they didn't need is for Trey Lance constantly looking over his shoulder or wondering if the lease is going to be shorter. I think if anything, maybe this gives them a little more comf- confidence and comfortableness to to not worry if he struggles. They can go back to Jimmy. I don't really think they want to just for Trey Lance's development's sake, but, but they are going to keep themselves in the playoff hunt. And if that's what it takes because Lance starts to struggle like some rookies do, um, I think they'll go to Garoppolo and they won't look back.
1: Yep. Well, if that happens. Uh, you know, Jimmy's out the door at the end of the season because that was negotiated in his restructured deal, where it's a, a no-trade clause for this year. But uh, after this year, they can't tag him, and he's he's gone. So uh, you know, we'll see. Oh, of course, he could always stay if uh, uh, trade Lance flops, and uh, you know, Garoppolo leads him to the promised land. But you know, we'll see what happens there. Anyway, uh, kind of big news that kind of went under the right radar. Uh, it was reported in, in, in Pittsburgh, actually, by the man himself, Najee Harris, said that hey, I've been dealing with a sprained list Frank injury. All training camp, and normally a four- to six-week injury, and right at the four-week mark, he was out there playing against the Lions in the preseason finale. Looked a little sluggish, but he had a couple of good moves here and there, so it wasn't all a waste at all. Um, Chris, when you heard this, did this surprise you? And number two, does this, this now scare you away from drafting him later in the first round? Because that's where he's going, ADP in 12-man leagues.
2: Yeah, I, I think a little bit of yes and yes. I was a little bit surprised, especially because, like you said, he was out there on the field in that preseason game. He looked, as you would expect, a guy who hadn't played throughout much of camp to, to look. So I, I didn't really worry too much about the fact that he looked sluggish. Um, but I am concerned, though, because this is usually – this is a potentially serious injury. Some of these Liz Franks have lasted a year for some guys. So the fact that he is – His value is based on volume because he was fairly inefficient, but he had high volume last year, ridiculously high volume. This has me a little bit concerned that that foot's going to hold up. So I think now this makes him a a tiebreaker, puts him behind a lot of the other guys that are being drafted around the same place as him, the Dalvin Cooks, um, you know, guys like Joe Mixon, the guy like that. I would take the other guys first just because why would you take that risk?
1: Yeah, Derrick Henry also comes to mind right there. Anyway, let's move on to the big news story of the week. Uh, Brian Robinson getting shot in an attempted robbery carjacking attempt uh you know he tussled with the, got the gun away from one of the teenagers apparently there's two teenagers then uh, the other guy had the gun and he ran away and as he's running away he got shot in the glute and the lower leg uh well you know they just released him from the hospital he just went back to uh the facility uh they had a nice little video online that everyone could see his right leg is totally uh taped up i mean a massive Bandage there he's on on crutches and of course you know uh it's covering uh, part of his butt too. But they did show him sitting, which is kind of interesting. So, uh what what does all this do for uh, for you, Chris, in terms of uh Antonio Gibson obviously he's gonna be starting. be McKissick still the pass catching back. Where and when do you think uh that uh that Brian Robinson uh, comes back uh and, and starts playing for the team uh you know in his rookie year?
2: I am interested by this because we talked about this just a few minutes ago, and I went and checked. He made the 53-man roster, so they didn't put him on the PUP. So that means that they're expecting him to potentially play or at least practice in the first four weeks of the season. Otherwise, they would have put him on the PUP. So that maybe tells me that this is not as long-term a deal as, as we might have thought. So I think Gibson's obviously the huge beneficiary right out of the gate. Um, but um, I, I would not, I would not give up on Brian Robinson yet. I I, I just drafted him, like I said, in my local league. I'm not going to cut him just yet because he may be back a lot sooner than you might think.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm co-owner of a uh, FPC team. Uh, that is run by the FFPC Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, and, and we drafted uh, Brian Robinson as a four in that league, and uh, so we're kind of hoping that he comes back uh, soon. By the way, you, you guys, anyone that wants to play in a fantasy league well-run, whether it's anywhere from a $35 league all the way up to high stakes, the Fantasy Football Players Championship is the place to check out. MyFFPC.com. We've got multiple teams in the main event. Myself and my, uh, my co-owner uh, have won close to $40,000 in, in the last eight years in this event and the winner this year it's 2000 that joined, so it's not cheap people but the winner this year it, they doubled the top prize from 500,000 to a million dollars and that's serious life-changing money you win that sucker and, and it's going to be interesting because if i do end up winning it this year i'm not sure we're going to be doing a, a podcast next year but maybe hey. at my leisure <laughs> more <laughs> but uh anyone everyone can dream anyway getting back to the news and notes of the day uh Something that just broke earlier today, you know, Kenyon Drake was cut by the Raiders earlier, and we we're like, okay, well, time to remove him off the rankings and all. Well, guess what? He went in and worked out for the Baltimore Ravens, and because J.K. Dobbins is kind of iffy to possibly play in week one, you got Mike Davis over there and not much else. Uh, they signed Kenyon Drake, uh, so he's going to be with the team. So, Chris, what's your first thoughts of Kenyon Drake with the Ravens?
2: Uh, it's very interesting to me. I mean, obviously, Gus Edwards is out for at least four weeks as well, so I think He's basically the Gus Edwards replacement right now, although he's a lot more versatile than than Gus Edwards is. Um, I I am intrigued, though, what it's going to mean when Edwards, and particularly when Dobbins comes back to full strength. I think what it all nutshell does is that it probably pushes Mike Davis back off the roster, or at least onto the practice squad. So um, that just tells me they don't have a lot of confidence in Mike Davis having to carry the load for all the part of the game, if he had to, with Dobbins part-time and Gus Edwards out.
1: Well, you know, we saw Mike Davis, what he did last year. Two years ago, he was kind of impressive coming back behind uh, CMC down in Carolina. But not last year in Atlanta, not so much. Uh, Cordell Patterson kind of took over that job. And, and uh, everybody that drafted Mike Davis as an RB3 last year, and I was one of them in one league. Unfortunate, you know, the, you didn't get much out of your uh, out of production from him. So it, it is going to be interesting to see what happens there with Keenan Drake. All seems to land on his feet wherever he goes in the NFL. Uh, the real quick, uh, shorter uh, injury list because we a lot to talk about. If you want to see the full injury list, it's over at ffmastermind.com. It's uh, we're, we cover it all in our preseason draft guide and the preseason in, in, in the weekly newsletter for the newsletters. Uh, both uh, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson over there for the Rams returned to practice. They both had soft uh, injury, soft tissue injury injuries. injuries so uh, they look like they're good to go for week one If things progress this week Miles Sanders is very iffy with a hamstring uh, in, in the Eagles, uh, he's basically Off my draft board, I'm not t- taking him anywhere uh, Debo Samuel, a knee contusion uh, He's expected to play week one For San Francisco, that's good news there uh, Another warning, bells are going off with Jalen Waddle soft tissue issue, has not practiced In three weeks for the Miami Dolphins He's not allowed to play week one And he's number two there behind Tyreek Hill So if you're looking at Jalen Waddell around three or four Of your draft, that's probably way too soon, uh, at least for my taste it is. Chris Godwin down there, to, uh, to, coming back from the torn ACL, he's still progressing. They hope that he can get on the field week one. We'll see you the next week, uh, especially when he starts practicing for game day. Russell Gage, teammate, uh, has not practiced, uh, you know, with hamstring injury now a uh, week or two. Okay, so he's effi to play in week one. They've got issues down there. A good news for Kansas City, Juju Smith-Schuster with a knee returned to practice on Monday. He looks good. James Washington, the current stats, two, two to six more weeks, for Dallas, and of course they're not going to have Gallup in Week One, so Jalen Tolbert, Noah Brown, uh, the other guy I can't even say his name <laughs> is going to be uh, taking uh, reps there with alongside C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz uh, in Week One for Dallas. Over in uh, Carolina, Bobby Anderson at the quad. He returned to practice. He looks good. Josh Palmer has been cleared a concussion protocol for the Chargers. He looks good. Sterling Shepard uh, with Achilles activated off the pup. Looks like he has a shot to play week one. And the final injury here is Logan Thomas with the torn ACL. He was activated. People kind of went under the radar there. But he's going to return at week two at the latest. So he might have, actually even play in week one. But if not, then definitely week two. I think he's worth a fantasy backup, backup consideration there for your tight end situation. And, um, Let's see. We've got a little bit of time here. Um, Chris, uh, drafting strategies. I know you had a couple of uh, key points that you wanted to point out. Uh, Why don't you uh, take it away here and uh, mention what uh, everyone out there should know about their
2: draft. Okay. The first thing you want to think about, no matter where you're picking, is you want to zig when others zag. That's where the value lies. Don't get stuck following a big big, uh, run on positions. Your late-round picks should be high upside, even if they are low floor. I mean, the late-round picks. It doesn't matter if you lose them. And if your roster sizes allow, there's some high-reward guys that are not on the roster right now that in your last round might be worth thinking about. Again, if you have big rosters, guys like Jamison Williams, Will Fuller, OBJ, all not on teams right now. So quarterback, a couple of things. There's at least 12 no-brainer starters, so don't be one of the first ones to grab one. And rushing quarterbacks mean there are guys with high floor and upside, so you want to go that way with your number two. Running backs, bell running backs are scarce, so you want to get two if you can in the first three rounds, depending on your draft position. But round three and four running backs are deeper than most years, so your running back three and flex are solids. You can also get a good running back two if you go a couple of wide receivers or a tight end in your first three rounds. Wide receivers, my opinion, they're thin at the top, but very deep at wide receiver two and three, so get uh, running backs early and very heavy on wide receivers rounds three through eight. Um, and if you don't pay up to get a top three tight end, you might as well wait a long time because the next seven are about the same, and they all have some upside. There's about another ten more you can stream if you really want to stream tight ends. And then obviously, defense and kickers are your last two picks. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the monster's there, and I'm, I'm, I'm buying into it this year. Normally I do have a favorite kicker, and the past is Will Lutz, and last year Tyler Bass, uh, he kind of petered out a little bit really cold up in Buffalo. But, yeah, t- take a look across the board. I mean, there's not much difference. Uh, you know, I know Justin Tucker, uh, long-distance field goal kickers, you want to uh, grab him maybe a little early and all, but but he'll probably end up going too early in your draft. But there's not much difference between a Prater or a Greg Joseph or a Bass, you know, or Falk. Nick Falk's not getting any, any uh, respect. I think it's because of the passing game of, of New England's been faltering and struggling in the preseason. But guess what, people? If they can still get into field goal range, yeah, they falter, they can't score a touchdown, guess who's going to come out and kick the field goal it's Nick Falk. <laughs> so that's good there. Anyway, we'll be right back after this important message.
0: You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive Fantasy Football Information Service. Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of Fantasy Football content updated daily, which gives you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship Championship! redrafter dynasty keeper auction salary cap idp they cover them all with the best content available anywhere go to ffmastermind.com the longer you wait the more great information you'll be missing
1: all right people we're updating our uh, website at a rapid pace, especially our NFL uh, free NFL quickbits feature all the latest news the cuts and such all the trades that's going on right now. So keeping track of all the players and such. A free eye in the sky scanner reports winding down the preseason with uh, the late August reports from scouts, including Chris Rito for the Colts. And, of course, we're going to go right into weekly reports, uh, starting with the, before week one next week uh, and go all the way through uh, week 18 of the NFL season. Of course, we've updated our Masters list, customizable cheat sheet, our Mastermind Championship Projections Board, and Executive Draft Master software for our premium subscribers. By the way, EDM, the drafting software, is an Excel app, so you don't have to be uh, connected to the Internet. Uh, you just download it. It's, it's built around our customizable Masters List cheat sheets. Uh, very convenient, and it's less than twenty dollars to purchase there. In fact, you can just get a, a ranking sheet uh, if you want for fourteen on our website, and that's that's if you want to just try us out and, and check out our rankings for this week for this this summer. Uh, version number six of the preseason guide was released last Friday. Twenty six fantasy articles, including perfect drafts and such, four hundred ninety one pages. Uh, one more update is coming this Friday, including a, a article a key article. It's interesting. Players in a contract year give that little extra motivation to certain players to uh, play their best and produce uh, uh, maximum production for them. Uh, of course, they're going to be playing for their next contract. The press of the guys, $19.95. Um, preseason summer rates, uh, the Pro Bowl package, which is the guide, all the updates, all the preseason rankings and such, all the updates, and their weekly newsletters, 49 dollars Super Bowl package is an extra $10. That also includes the executive draft master. Like I said, it's sold for eight, it's sold uh, separately for 18.95. And follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. All right, Chris, uh, let's, uh, let's hit a couple of key uh, sleepers and creepers at all the key positions here, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And uh, we're going to try, people, to, to mention not the same people uh, that we've been covering earlier this year. Of course, I might cover a couple of them, but Chris is uh, picking different ones and discuss. So uh, hit me with your uh, two quarterback sleepers, Chris.
2: Okay, I'll start with a couple of guys that are former number one overall picks. First is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's hard to label a guy a bust when he was stuck with the crap show that was Urban Meyer as a rookie, and then he lost his best two offensive threats, Etienne and Shark. Uh, Etienne's back, looking like a weapon. The Jags added big upgrades in Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. But most of all, they add a new head coach that's a really good offensive mind, so I think he's going to have a chance at success. His ADP is in the lower half of the quarterback twos, but he has upside that the guys being drafted around him do not. Another one is Baker Mayfield. He's a guy that's barely being drafted, usually in the QB3 range. He's got a lot to prove, and you know he tends to play well with a chip on his shoulder. So he's got a few things that have a stock, I think, rising above his ADP, starting with the injury to Sam Darnold, so he's not going to be looking over his shoulder. Probably has the best weapons of his young career, the NFL's premier receiving running back, two good receivers, Robbie Anderson and three-time 1100-yard guy, DJ Moore. He also makes a great number two because he has plus matchups in all the bye weeks. As you'll note if you read my Magic Handcuffs article in the, uh, in the draft guide that Mike was talking about.
1: Okay, certainly check out that uh, article if you uh, did buy our guide. Uh, All the articles are worth uh, perusing and and, and scanning over, especially this one. Uh, But if you don't want to read eighty pages of offensive line analysis, I understand that, but there are some people that love that kind of stuff. A couple of quarterback flavors. uh, These are borderline starters uh, that you can get in the middle rounds you draft, and I think they're they're both uh, interesting, uh, almost polar to opposite type players. But uh, still have the same potential. Derek Carr uh, for the Raiders. uh, God, gosh! I mean, how can you not put him in the top ten? He's uh, my number nine, and yet he's consistently being drafted somewhere around 11, 12, and even as late as around 13. A lot of these drafts as the bottom of the uh, backups, uh, or 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 bottom of the backups, or maybe mid round of the backups and such. But anyway, if you draft like a Stafford and you got the elbow issue, you know, or um, you know Wilson coming off uh, joining a new team in Denver. Comparing him with someone like Derek Carr is smart because if something happens, whether it's the elbow goes bad or uh, Wilson struggles or whatever, uh, you're going to get top ten numbers out of Derek Carr. Um, Two attack below, uh that's in the that's the other guy in down in Miami. You saw a little bit about what he can do with Tyreek Hill on the preseason game, and uh, you know the, the throw was a little off. And, uh, Tyreek had to die for it, and so it was a 51 yard game instead of a, a gain instead of a touchdown. But there will be some touches and downs here, people, and. You know, in my dynasty league, I got him as a three behind Burrow and Wilson, so, uh, you know, we're excited about this. But you can get him as a fantasy backup in the middle rounds, around 10 to 12, 13-round area, and usually going after Derek Carr. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Moving on over to my creepers at quarterback. Um, kind of soured a little bit on Ryan Tannehill. Malik Wilson, the rookie quarterbacks uh showing some spunk. I know he's uh, not exactly 100%. In the, in the positive there because he's been taking sacks and, and uh, throwing picks, but also uh, I don't think Tannehill's going to run 50 yards like uh, Wilson did down inside the five-yard line. Uh, of course, this is Derek Henry's show, but if Tannehill struggles without A.J. Brown, they're going to go to Malik Wilson at some point in, in the year, and uh, you don't want to be held, held in the bag even though Tannehill's ADP is is below card to us. Uh, Daniel Jones, well, oh, I love my Giants. I just don't think this is the right uh, quarterback to lead this team. And if, even if it is, there's enough questions around him. He can't seem to connect at all with Kenny Galladay, who I think it's going to make the final roster (laughs) we're not sure on that uh right now he wasn't cut but you know we got another week to go we'll see uh they would be crazy because he's 17 million you know guaranteed and all but daniel jones i don't think has much upside here i think if the team's going to win it's going to run do it with defense and running through saquon barkley so i would avoid him at uh you know in my draft uh give me a couple of creepers at quarterback you're not crazy about chris and
2: why uh, I'll start with Mitch Trubisky. I actually think he's a much better quarterback than he's had a chance to show so far in his career and a far better player and quarterback right now than is Kenny Pickett. But the reality is, is that he's going to have limited volume, limited a decent talent receiver, but limited volume and limited opportunity. Pittsburgh's got one of the toughest strength of schedules for quarterback in the whole league, especially in the first half of the season. So he's not going to get up to a huge start. Sooner or later, the Steelers are going to be out of playoff contention. They're going to move to Kenny Pickett or just the the, the groundswell will be high. I just, I just don't see a future – by future, I mean the second half of your fantasy season. So I can't see Mitch Trubisky being worth a roster spot. And then I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. Um, I know I said earlier this year if he had a six-game ban, I would draft him late and hold him because he'd be in stride by the fantasy playoffs. Now with an 11-game ban, you would have to carry a dead roster spot for nearly your entire fantasy regular season. And then when he does play, he'll be working out the rust when you need him most in Week 13 and 14. Um, his schedule doesn't do him any favors down the stretch either, even with that first game being a revenge, revenge match in Houston. So maybe he's a midseason pickup if you like, but the potential payoff is probably not worth the season-long carry.
1: Yeah, I believe uh, I uh, agree with you there. Uh, all right, uh, let's move to running back sleepers, a couple of them. Why?
2: Um, I love Melvin Gordon. I mean, he's kind of a mid-round guy. As impressive as Javante Williams is, I think the rumors of Melvin Gordon's fantasy death have been greatly exaggerated. He's just got a nose for the end zone. He's got 10-plus touchdowns six straight years, 45 catches a year for those years, all while splitting time with various people. Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach, just said this week he's excited to hand him the ball a lot. This week. So he does not sound like a mere insurance policy for a bell cow youngster. With an ADP of running back 39 in the ninth round, it won't cost you a lot to get a solid running back for your bench or flex at worst. And then I really like Khalil Herbert. He's being drafted outside of the top 50 running backs, and he could be at least a flex-worthy player in any scoring system and not just an insurance policy for David Montgomery. Although he was pretty good at that last year as well, he was a solid running back, too, for four straight weeks last year, sitting in the top five and rushing during those weeks. The new coaching staff wants to use him more as a co-runner in the backfield instead of a pure backup, and his running style actually fits the outside zone running scheme a little better than Montgomery's does anyway. So don't be surprised if he gets a little bit more run than you might think
1: okay a couple of guys that i'm eyeing uh uh... sleepers here uh... Chief edmonds in in miami now is kind of a mullered, mullered, uh... muddled muddied hour <laughs> our bbc well, they cut uh, Sony Michelle, uh, so that's a lot of scoring right uh, right gone there. Uh, looks like Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed uh, m- both might make the team as pass catching backs. So uh, uh, Raheem Mostert's been uh, missing most of training camp with injury, although he's just gotten healthy now. Uh, Guy can't just stay healthy, so that just leaves Jace Edmonds as a clear starter there, and he catches passes well too. So I think he's going to be more of a close to a work horseback than people think and best of all you can get him in the middle of the rounds as an RB3 in your 12 team drafts. Also rookie Tyler Algier over in Atlanta uh, he's impressed in the preseason. I know that Cordero Passions still may be the starter there but they really haven't given him much play in the running game uh, in the preseason and in, in, in camp. Uh, they're being kind of mum about it. I think they're going to use him more especially. They don't want to overuse him and I think uh, Algier has shown a uh, penchant that he can uh, to take all the work he can get and uh, Uh, This is somebody that you can draft late in your draft, uh, fairly late, and uh, put him on your bench and see what happens there, and he might end up starting by October. Um, A couple of guys I'm not crazy about. Uh, I love me some Josh Jacobs when he was out with Alabama, but now as a Raider they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, And also uh, John Gruden's not there. New coaching staff, uh, they're going to use an RBBC. I know there's no Kenyon Drake, but you still got Zamir White uh, and uh, uh, Amir Abdullah, who's going to be pass-catching there. So I think it's going to be mix and match, and uh, there will be weeks where Josh Jacobs gets 40, 50, 60 yards rushing and no scores, and you're going to be upset. So be careful there. And one guy I'm really soured on, Moss Sanders, just can't stay healthy, hamstring injury, might not play week one. RBBC with uh, – Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, and Gainwell's been rumored to be uh, the favorite, to possibly be the goal line guy, so I'm avoiding Miles Sanders at all costs there uh, in the uh, area of an RB3 in drafts. Uh, target Chase Edmonds instead of Sanders. There you go. All right, a couple of creepers that, uh, running back, uh, Chris, and Why?
2: Well, I was already set to put Marlon Mack on this list, and about two hours ago, the Houston decided to put him on their creeper list as well, and they cut him. So I, I think it just shows that he was definitely not going to have much of a role there. Um, and I don't think he generally he really picked up anywhere because he, he doesn't play special teams, and you need that from a backup running back. That's pretty much why Houston didn't keep him, even though he's still a quality running back. I can't see him getting on anywhere unless somebody really needs a number two, not a number three running back. So I think Marlon Mack is probably his, – his NFL career may be done, which is a shame. He's a good guy and a, a solid NFL back. And a guy that's been getting a lot of buzz as a, as a sleeper, as a guy you just mentioned, Amir Abdullah, um, everyone's saying he's going to have the James White role on this offense because the former Patriots offense coordinator and new Raiders head coach is Josh McDaniel. He's a nice fit for that role. He's been doing it well. But the guy that actually did the James White role last year in New England is also – added to the Raiders roster this year, and that's Brandon Bolden. Bolden actually caught 41 passes last year in relief of White, equaling his total from the first eight years of his career. I just think with both guys being on the team, because they both have special teams value, they're each going to keep each other from having huge PPR value because it's going to be a major four-headed running back by committee. So I think the popular sleeper, Abdullah, just doesn't have the upside you want from a late pick in the draft just because Bolden's going to be there.
1: Okay, I like the way you stated that. And I was wondering how you're going to handle that because people do are seeing him as a sleeper. But yeah, don't over uh, over guess or uh, overestimate what Abdul is going to do for the team. Okay, a couple of uh, wide receiver sleepers. Uh, two uh, two guys you like?
2: I like two vets that are now playing for quarterbacks that just don't trust young guys. And I'll start with Julio Jones. I can't believe this Hall of Fame receiver is a sleeper, but. His lagging ADP is testament to the fact that folks are not looking at him as a fantasy contributor. There's no denying his injury history, his mileage, but equally undeniable is his talent and situation. He stepped into one of the highest-volume passing games with the GOAT at quarterback and a lot of targets available with the departures of Gronk and AB and slow returns for Godwin and Gage. Um, I think he's going to get number two coverage for the first time in his career as well, so this, this could be a great opportunity for Jones to get up to a hot start. And then... I kind of like Sammy Watkins as as a sleeper. He's another oft-injured veteran coming to a new place, Hall of Fame passer, chance to make a contribution. He's basically not being drafted. His ADP is wide receiver 79, being drafted way after the two rookies that have done nothing so far, Romeo Dubes and and Christian Watson. As soon as the team signed Watkins this summer, Coach Lafleur said he had a big role plan for him. So I think he's totally flying under the radar, despite the absences of Watson and the drops of Dubes. Don't be surprised if Watkins starts opposite Lazard week one and sees way more snaps in an offense that is just starved for trustworthy pass catchers. Probably a better return on investment than the mid-round selections of one of the two rookies.
1: Yeah, as long as Watkins is healthy, I agree with you there. The problem is, can he stay healthy? We'll see. Yeah, All right, a couple ambiguous. of guys that I like in the middle. Middle Browns of uh, these drafts. Uh, Robert Woods in Tennessee. Uh, you know, people kind of write him off because he's coming off the 20 ACL, but you know, he's been running around without a brace uh, practicing and uh, playing in the preseason. It looks good, uh, showing no uh, problems there. Developing chemistry with uh, Ryan Tannehill, so uh, the fact is he's sliding. You can get him more towards around ten or nine or ten in there, uh, and uh, that's I think that's good value there. And also, I, I just mentioned Christian Watson there because if Watkins get hurt, uh, people think Romeo Dubs uh, or is gonna automatically uh, be ahead of him. Well, Watson was a second-round pick and Dubs was a fourth-rounder, so there's uh, obviously more talent uh, expected out of Watson. So if he can get up to speed quick enough, I think he'll surpass him on the depth chart and definitely. Uh, he, he's going two or three, four rounds beyond Goob's, Uh who might be going around twelve or thirteen around now. Uh, so why not take a chance on Watson later in your draft? A couple of guys I don't like this year. I was all set to say, "Yay, Michael Thomas is back!" And then the hamstring injury happened, and haven't really heard much. But you know, he's been kind of in and out of practice, and that's enough for me to say, "Nope." Uh, move on. Uh, also, Jameson Crowder in Buffalo. Forget that because Isaiah McKenzie basically has won the slot job there. Crowder's still going to be kept uh, for depth, and also we'll see some time in the slot, but he's not the starter, so you don't draft him. How about you, Chris? A couple of creepers in wide receiver that you're not crazy about and why?
2: Yeah, you mentioned, mentioned Robert Wood. He's one of the reasons I have Traylon Burks as one of my creepers in redraft leagues this year. He's being drafted as high as a low-end number two and usually as a three or, or a high four. And that's just too high. He's in a terrible situation for opportunity. He, he's looked iffy in camp in preseason action. Although he did have a really nice touchdown this past week, he struggled with his conditioning and his performance. Now I know Jamar Chase struggled last year, and I put him on my on my creeper list. So, so I'll pick. I'll, I'll admit that I blew that one last year, but uh, you know yeah. he's still playing him in. The, He's still playing into the fourth quarter of preseason games. So I just think, you know, with Grable having a history of not playing rookies, especially receivers, he's going to be working so slowly that especially in PPRs, he's just not going to post value for where he's going in draft. Uh, And then uh, Kendrick Bourne, he's totally faded off my draft board because I just don't see a path for him to even come close to achieving those career best numbers he had last year. And that was only as a wide receiver, four or five. Uh, He was already number three on the target tree at best. The team added Devontae Parker Uh, across from leading target Jacoby Myers. There's not a lot of targets anyway, and he's behind those guys and Hunter Henry and probably the running backs. You know, the fact he got tossed from practice for, for fighting by Belichick earlier this month probably doesn't bode well for his role on the team or maybe even his roster spot. I haven't checked today. There's at least six guys going after him with actual upside that make far better picks as a 75th receiver off the board than Kendrick Bourne.
1: Yep, I agree with you there. All right, a couple of tight end sleepers you like and why.
2: Um, I was Kind of like Hayden Hurst, Uh, he's sliding into a high-powered offense uh, a huge step up after being shoved aside by Kyle Pitts last year, even though it is as a secondary target, uh, behind a ton of better options in Cincinnati. But even a far less athletic CJ Uzoma had a solid tight end uh, year last year for stretches, and Hurst is going to get high-value targets as a mismatch and as a forgotten man uh, in that offense. He's basically still going undrafted, despite being a top-ten guy just a few years ago in a far lesser situation. He's probably a high-floor, low-ceiling tight end, but the coaches are loving his athleticism and speed and are designing plays to take advantage of him as a mismatch. Another guy I really like that's going low is Irv Smith, Jr. Much like Hurst, he's playing in a high-volume passing offense with two Pro Bowl-caliber receivers, so he's going to get forgotten by defenses a lot and can produce some mismatches down the field. Last season's knee injury and a camp thumb injury have seen him sliding down the ADP rankings, but the team's really expecting big things from him, and he could have a solid upside with a late-round selection. Easy to see him getting 80 targets and finishing as a low-end, tight-end one if he stays on the field, especially with Tyler Conklin now out of the picture. Yeah, I
1: like me some Irv Smith, too. A couple of guys I like uh, a little bit later in the draft. Uh, Gerald Everett uh, for the Chargers, uh Replaces Gerard, uh, Gerard, uh, Gerard Cook. Uh, and uh, Everett uh, had an uh, okay season up in Seattle. Caught a lot of passes there. Didn't score much. But uh, anytime you've got Justin Herbert throwing you the ball, it's a good chance there. Uh, you know he doesn't—he's not going to see primary uh, catches, uh, targets, and such because you got uh, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, of course, and Keenan Allen. But still, Everett it makes a good uh, backup fantasy uh, tight end, especially if you wait in the draft to get your backup. I just got him in the FF Webmasters' 13th round of a 14-team league. Uh, and I waited and waited and waited and after uh, took him after Logan Thomas was even off the board. Another guy that's available that I was eyeing to is Austin Hooper. I've got them right there together. Uh, Austin uh, got booted from uh, Cleveland. I'm not sure why he's getting booted from these places, and, and they, they, they uh, gave all that money to Joku. But Hooper uh, is a uh, significant, talented, pass-catching uh, tight end. He doesn't block very well. Maybe that's why he got booted. But in Tennessee, uh, it's going to seriously upgrade the passing game uh, and the tight end position there over Anthony Ferkser from last year. Uh, Hoopers have already developed uh, good chemistry with uh, Ryan Tanhill, so uh, another good fantasy late-round uh, uh, player to target for your backup. And my Creepers couple guys sliding down the list right now. Mike Jazeki, yeah, signed the franchise tag. Well, uh, new coach is one in the block. He needs to learn. He needed the reps in practice. He's going to make the team because they're paying him $10 million, but I'm not sure how many targets he's going to get when they want him to block all the time, uh, so I'm avoiding him there. Uh, also, Albert O in Denver, uh, a little bit of the same thing in terms of him learning position under the, uh, the coaches there. He needed the reps um, maybe a little bit more, uh, more likely that that he uh, contributes. Uh, they got that rookie Dulcich there uh, that that could take away a lot of his time there. But uh, I think Albert O is a little bit more um, positive in terms of. Uh, producing for his team this year than Jaceki. Jaceki, actually, the the Dolphins had been talking with teams about trading him. So uh, I don't want any parts of that situation. Uh, All right, Chris, what about a couple of guys you're not crazy about at tight end and why?
2: Uh, Kyle Rudolph was being drafted a lot in in early drafts because once they signed in Tampa, everyone thought he was going to take the place of Rob Gronkowski. But uh, Brady doesn't really like using the tight end. He just loves Gronkowski and he knew where he was going to be. They were in sync. So he doesn't have that sync with Rudolph, and he's not looked like anything that can contribute to a team, least of all, win a matchup for several years now. With all the wide receiver options and the health issues along the O-line in Tampa, Rudolph will be little more than a glorified O-lineman at best. I and mean, he's not the upside you need as your backup tight end. He may not even be in the top three tight ends on his own team right now with the two rookies and Cameron Brait uh, as, uh, well ahead of him. And a guy that I just cannot understand why he's being drafted is Taysom Hill. His only value as a tight end on your fantasy roster has been as a lottery ticket to get you rushing quarterback value at the tight end spot. This year he's being drafted as a mid-range tight end too, ahead of guys like Hurst and Hooper and Gerald Everett. It's crazy. Jameis Winston is not particularly injury prone, and he's in no danger of being benched. So it's not like Hill has a straightforward shot to being under center. And even if he did, the team signed former Pro Bowler Andy Dalton to back up Winston. So Hill is even farther away from any time at quarterback. He may get some gimmick plays here and there, but he's just not worth a draft pick and a backup tight end role in any scoring system, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they still like uh, Adam Trauman. there. He's kind of shown some uh, potential there. And, of course, um, uh, Juwan Johnson is still there, too, the, the uh, red zone guy. So, yeah, Taysom Hill, come on, people. I, I don't even have him ranked on my sheet, so that tells you I'm not even on my radar. Let somebody else waste a draft pick on him. Anyway, we want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week guess what when we offer our week one preview with picks to click and flick for your starting lineup good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week we'll see you next week week one's right around the corner
2: woohoo football
0: football Football? you know a physical sport you've been listening to the fantasy football mastermind edge with your host michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.
2: Good day, sir!